You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Yeah, that's true. That's a true story. Okay, uh, you ready? I yep, won't yep. add any of that other stuff to the podcast. We're getting started. You weren't recording on that. Oh, all that's being recorded, but I won't add it. <laughs> <laughs> Start here. Start here. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. We've uh, we've already been been talking, but this is the official start to this podcast episode. Um, you know, I, I hate you know I hate doing the intro and conclusion questions, but do you? considering how orange your shirt is right now, this question will will fit well. Does any well? I, I let me f- set up the question to say Monday, basketball started. Okay, this is my season. This is when everyone. I'll watch college football. I'll watch the NFL. I'm done with the the major league baseball till they end the blackouts. But I've decided that this week, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basketball started, and I'm all about college basketball. And so my question, does anyone care about how good the University of Tennessee basketball team is? I have a question for you. Yeah. Because you've been asking a lot of UT questions. Are you secretly trying to become a UT fan? No, I don't. I don't hate myself like that much. (laughs) But then I've thought about this question. I'm like, I don't even feel like you know me sometimes. Why? Have I ever talked to you about college basketball? Well, this doesn't say, does Chris care? This does, do it you doesn't, think? You're correct. You are correct. Does anyone care? Um, we it should, all right, I'll, let me, let me sure. press even more, okay? The candidating weekend when we came down here, uh, Kentucky was playing Tennessee in basketball that night, mm-hmm. and Tennessee was number one in the nation in basketball, college basketball. And I, you know, I'm just trying to get to know people in the church. And I'm like, oh, the game's tonight. And they're like, what game? And I'm like, what do you mean what game? Y'all are number one. I said, my cats are playing. Y'all are number one. They go, oh, we're number one? I'm like, (laughs) does anyone care? Apparently, you asked this, and I answered that, and then I read the question. I was like, well, he's not asking about me. Yeah. Um, like apparently they do because I've seen several posts on my Facebook from other people talking about basketball. So, so have, someone out there, you is do have it. Facebook friends. You do have Facebook friends that actually care about yes. this. Okay, I do. Because I just think it's a waste. You know, like y'all don't deserve Rick Barnes. If I love Rick Barnes, you don't deserve this guy. You're not gonna care. I follow college basketball. We can talk about it come March time. Until then, I'm like, I, I can't believe you all. I mean. <laughs> This is all we had growing up in Central Kentucky. This was, I mean, sorry. I I feel like everyone would be would would love it if they just gave it a chance. You know, it's the best college athletics. I don't follow any best. I don't follow the NBA either. So Ooh, it makes let me. Feel better. We'll tell you, no. college baseball is really fun. Mm. My wife thinks the the University of Tennessee UT's baseball coach. Mm-hmm. 
She thinks he's very handsome. <laughs> yeah. She, she tells me that quite often. Um, but, yeah. It, so. I don't like them either. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yesterday, or two days ago, Judah asked if Tennessee had a baseball team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, yeah. And he wanted to maybe go to one of the games. I was like, well, yeah, that'd be fun. So cool. as long as my wife doesn't. She can't go. She can't go. She can't see the coach. Don't look at that. Don't look at him. <laughs> all right. Well, this past Sunday, we tackled all of 1 Samuel 3, um, which didn't really seem like too much once I, once I was teaching it. But so the question we were answering from the passage is, why do we need the word of the Lord? There were two points mm-hmm. secretly when I was typing the message. I was like, I need to add point A and point B under oh, point one. And you mentioned um, that. So that wasn't the original plan. But as I've mentioned, this is behind the message. Those notes need to be turned into Marianne on Thursdays. <laughs> and sometimes I'll change my mind. Um, sorry, Jesse keeps texting me. All right, we're good. Um, so two points, point one, the word of the Lord is needed for people to know the Lord. So, um, that's in verses two through seven. I guess if I can set that up even more, uh, in verse one, it talks about how the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there were frequent visions. Um, so I'm making the case that the word of the Lord was is rare these days. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need. I don't think I needed to prove that to anyone, but maybe <laughs> I did. So, but point one is the word of the Lord is needed for people to know the Lord. Let's kick it off with you, Chris. How do people have spiritual eyes that grow dim like Eli? Uh, by not being in the Word, uh, by not walking with Christ. Uh, by chasing after the things of this world. I thought of this. I may be way off base here, but when I first read this question and I started thinking about it, um, I thought of um, Jesus and the parable of the sower uh, from Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Right. Um, regarding, you know, how the seeds didn't grow, or, you know, kind of because they lost, you know, they weren't on the good soil. And I don't know. I don't know. That's what I thought of. That's where my mind went when I'm. Yeah. So you think Eli's in heaven or not? I, I have no idea. I, I don't have any idea. Okay, I mean, that's right. not my place to. <laughs> let's just let's start naming people. Uh, Abraham Lincoln in heaven or not? What? <laughs> he abolished slavery. So. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that that's a that's a good point to bring up and. Um, I think over time your heart, it's like your heart grows hard and then you just slowly don't see, you know, I think it starts with your spiritual eyes grow dim to see your own sin first Mm -hmm. because I mean, it's so easy to see other people's Mm -hmm. sin. I deal with people all the time that all they can see is other people's sin. They just can't see their own. Right. Um, so if you want to know if your eyes are growing spiritually dim, um, list out 
just list out three specific things that are sinful that you struggle with. And if you can't do that, your eyes are probably growing. Well, you're probably either not a believer (laughs) or your eyes are growing spiritually dim. That's good. Um, All right, here we go. Um, First question for you, Jason. Why didn't Samuel know the Lord? There wasn't VBS at that time. Yeah. (laughs) No vacation Bible school in the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. So, um, did you go to VBS as a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think as a kid, I remember crafts, Mm -hmm. snacks, and hanging out with my friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you know. (laughs) Well, we did, well, we always did these big exact, you know, extravagant. Oh, you plays or oh, you went music. to cool. You went to a cool church. Uh, Mine was small Southern Baptist church. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean there were still a lot of kids back then. So, oh gosh, I have a long text a long here for this. Okay. Oh, here's uh, here's why I put that. I. So I gave two examples Sunday that I think I was a little too black and white on. Um, I mentioned that people don't know the Lord for two reasons, two reasons only. Um, I think you could probably make the case there's more than those two reasons. But the reasons I mentioned were either they were never told the word um, or they heard the word and didn't listen. and don't or didn't want to listen. I think there could be a third case that's primarily what we're seeing in the text that they might have heard the word, but it's never been revealed to them yet mm. from the Lord. And that's that's what you see in chapter three, um, that the Lord has not revealed His word, or and even Himself to Samuel, even though He probably I would have, has heard the word before. Um, and it, it made me think of a parable, um, but this is Jesus explaining just parables in general, Matthew 13, 10 through 17. So it's long. Let's see how much I want to read. But verse 10, then the disciples came to Jesus and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them to you. It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given for to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And then he quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah. But I think that's it's where it is right now. I, I, I'm, I'm For Samuel didn't know the Lord, not because his heart was hard, right. not because he didn't have access to these things in the temple. Eli's teaching him how to minister to the Lord in the temple. It's just the Lord hasn't revealed himself yet. So if I could do the message over again, it's probably what I would highlight. But that's why we have behind the message Boom. for me to fix my mistakes. There you go. Uh, Chris, yep. why is it every believer's responsibility to share the word? Mark 16. 15 says and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation 
Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I would say that it's every believer's responsibility because it's a command in Scripture, not a suggestion. (sighs) You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Um, And and I think to clarify, yes, there's, there's not everyone has the gift of teaching, but everyone can know the word. Oh, yeah. And everyone can share the word, specifically the gospel. Um, so that is a responsibility. It doesn't mean you got to do it on a stage or into a microphone. Um, doesn't even mean you have to do it in a smaller group, but yeah. maybe it's one-on-one. Maybe it's with, maybe it's, it's with your kids. That's yeah. primary importance. Okay. So what should we do when we share the word, but people don't want to listen? Oh, um, you ever had that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it's for me every Sunday. <laughs> every Sunday I, see, I look out there, I'm like, who's, who's falling asleep right now? Who looks like they don't want to be here? Um, yeah. I, I always think like one service... One of the services feels like they don't want to be there. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, every Sunday, every, most Sundays, it's like one service is just they're, they're ready and they're they seem more energetic. Okay, and then the other service is just like just tell us what you need to say <laughs> and let's get out of here. I'm sure that's of course that's not right. And should I, nor should I judge it like that. I just sometimes I feel that. <laughs> yep. Sometimes you're acutely aware when you're teaching. You're like, is someone, is anyone listening to me right now? <laughs> Am I listening to me right now? <laughs> so to your question, you share the word, but they don't want to listen. What do you yep. do? Um, let me read something encouraging first. This is Romans 10, 1 through 4. Um, hopefully it's encouraging. Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God. And seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. He's speaking specifically about um, his people, the Jewish people. And um, so I, I would say first is pray. Like have, Don't stop praying. Have a heart. Like Paul has, he's longing for salvation for the people, and he deeply loves them. He didn't write them off because they didn't mm. want to listen to him. So there's that one, and then there is a level of um, well. Before I get before I read the next verse, there's that um, the passage where. It leaves the 99 to go after the right. one. And we've got that reckless love song that I won't get into. But the danger of of misreading that is to think that we are responsible to leave the 99 to go after the one. I'm like, no, you're, you're reading 
too much into the, or you're reading yourself too much into the passage. It's Jesus goes after it. He's the shepherd. It's the Lord that goes after the one. Um, so we, we, we shouldn't feel that pressure uh, for that, which I, again, I would go to Matthew's gospel, Matthew 10, 14. And if anyone will not receive or listen to your words, shake off the dust yeah. from your feet when you leave that house or town. So don't feel the pressure to verbalize the gospel again and again and again to those that don't want to listen. I think there's clear biblical evidence right there in that passage yeah. that there might come a time where you just, well, all right, you don't want to listen, I'm moving on. Um, and there's clear biblical evidence when people walked away from Jesus. He didn't send them a follow-up card. He didn't chase them down the road. It was, you want to walk away? You don't want to listen? That's on you, but I'm not. So so it's twofold. Um I don't know if that was helpful for anyone, but especially when it's family. Because they didn't want to listen. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> you know, I, when I was preaching that, I, I hope I did. Like, There's people that hear the word and don't want to listen, but I hope people realize, like, I don't want to listen sometimes. You know, like we just because I teach a word and, and I get very frustrated when people don't want to listen to godly advice, don't listen to the word. Um, yeah, I get it. I mean, I do the same yeah. quite often. So, yep, yep. Two. Uh, so the question was, why do we need the word of the Lord? Point two is the word of the Lord is needed for people to know the honest truth. Yeah. Chris, what honest truth did the Lord tell Samuel about Eli? So this was all uh, laid out, of course, we mentioned in 1 Samuel 3, 11 through 14, which references back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, 27 through 36. Um, but basically, Eli and his house um, shall be punished forever um, because of their uh, blasphemy. Their offerings and sacrifice will not atone for their uh, iniquity. And if you even fast forward... To First Kings chapter two twenty seven, uh, you see this continue to play out, and I'll read that. Uh, so it says Solomon expelled uh, Abathar from being priest to the Lord, thus fulfilling the word of the Lord that he had spoken concerning the house of Eli and Shiloh. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I should have. I still got time to read that <laughs> on a Sunday. That's a good. That's a good reference. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, well, teaching this, like the other day someone told me, they were like, well, Eli's dead, right? I'm like, no, 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 no. I just, I skipped ahead the other right. week to show you that he will die, but he's not dead yet in this narrative. So sometimes to try to connect the dots, you're like, I don't want to jump ahead too much. But <laughs> uh, All right, no, that was good. So um, why would the Lord not forgive Eli and his house? That's from 1 Samuel 3.14. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Um, I think we can make a strong case, and I did make it on Sunday, that they were not forgiven because they 
have defiled, rejected the one way that the Lord had given them to be forgiven. Oh, yeah. They had rejected the sacrifice of the Lord. Um, and so, you good, man? You yeah, burping so up that sun kissed over there. <laughs> Thank you. So I'll, I'll crank your your mic to see if we can get it in there. No. <laughs> um, so I have a ton of scripture for that, but I, I put that under your question. So, okay. Uh, well, I didn't. Okay. All right. So what would cause the Lord to not forgive us in our sins, Chris? Uh, I said for for people that are not in Christ, there is no forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and I got whoever... Believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And that's John three thirty six. That's good. So basically, if you reject God, your entire existence you cannot be forgiven for that. Right. Um. And then I have I have that one listed, but here's another one: Second Thessalonians one eight one eight. And flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Um, I think in many ways it's not just your sin that sends you to hell. It's the rejection of the sacrifice Mm -hmm. that could forgive you, that will forgive you, of that sin. Um, So... I just thought that was, it, it's helpful for us to see that, even in the Old Testament, there's this picture of the gospel, but I think it's also helpful because that's why Samuel's so scared, like he's not just saying bad things are going to happen, yeah. he's telling his mentor, like, you can't fix this, it's over for you, as a little, I mean, Yeah. That's where I think that's the that hits me more. Like I know we've all have messed up in our lives at times, and I'm sure a lot of us have done, even if it was small, you said or did something that you just you were not going to be able to reverse. You just had to deal with that, and mm-hmm. you think of that on an eternal scale. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just for Eli's like grandkids. You know, just mm-hmm. anyways. All right. So what should our heart posture be when we share honest truth to others from God's word? Here, I, this is a part that I, I, have, I very rarely do this. I had talked about, and I had it written in my manuscript and then didn't end up sharing it on Sunday. Um, but I, I wanted to mention, so I, I just shared, like Samuel is, he's afraid mm-hmm. to tell Eli. Um and I think that's a natural thing um, for us to be fearful of sharing hard things with people. We sh- shouldn't. We shouldn't be fearful, but it, it's a normal thing. Um, but I also would say, like that, he also wasn't excited to share it either. You know what I mean? I guess that was, and that's why I didn't bring it up on Sunday because it might just it seemed a little too confusing in the moment. Um, but that's just sometimes you see from other believers, it's like they've got an honest truth to share. Um, but the way they do it, it's almost like this sick, self-righteous enjoyment 
and the sharing. Mm. It's like, do you not even grieve about the things that you're that's coming out of your mouth? Like, do you not even care that the way it's going to impact someone else? Um, so, I, yeah, I think we need to be careful. One, we shouldn't be af- afraid. Right. Um, I'm not... We shouldn't read that story and be like, yeah, we should be afraid like Samuel was afraid. No, we shouldn't be afraid. He shouldn't have been afraid. But at the same time, we shouldn't be in, enjoying it either. Right. Um, I don't even know how I'd give some... I, I'm sure I could give some radical examples of that, but I think we all have times like that. And the enjoyment of it is you enjoy rebuking someone because it makes you feel better about yourself. Mm. That's it's a pretty messed up thing to think. So you should grieve. I mean, I would, if yeah. you're Samuel, you're a grown up Samuel and you heard this, you should grieve over the way this will impact Eli and everyone and grieve that it has to be this way. So, which is another thing I didn't mention at all. Eli's response to that. Where he's like, this is the Lord, and it is good. And the, the commentaries I read, it was like, like, it's hard to decide if Eli is giving up or if he is showing like a real, honest, righteous, like I deserve this thing. I don't know. Hmm. All right, summary question. Have you heard what the word or what the Lord has spoken? This is where he gets I interesting. You were trying to rhyme something there. Where did the, I saw the man with the tat on his big fat belly and it wiggled around like mama like jelly. Remember that song? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude. Have you heard the Lord has spoken, what Chris? What the Lord has spoken. What the Lord has spoken. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. How does the word... That's what I read in the message. How does the word of the Lord never return empty? Okay. Uh, God's word will always accomplish what God desires. Uh, That could be teaching, correcting, training, exposing our sin, or or leading us to him. When God says that his word will not return to him void, we understand that God is sovereign. Uh, The promise is that God's word will accomplish what he wants it to. Um. Just another plug. I guess I did bring up expository teaching on Sunday, but the reason, part of uh, part of the reason of teaching, why I love teaching through the Word on Sunday, is I don't have to feel this pressure of delivering a perfect message. Um, doesn't mean I don't try. I mean, I spend quite a bit of time studying writing, just trying to make sure this makes sense at all. Um, but I don't feel the pressure to be like, is this series going to change people's lives? I'm like, that's not even on my radar. It's, you know, <laughs> faithfully teach the word. That's what will change people's lives. Uh, so uh, I told someone the other day, it's like, I don't even prep um, unless we're doing like a Christmas series or the little mini financial series i don't have i have no idea what the topic will be for the message on the next few weeks i don't know that because the scripture will decide that not me i haven't 
figured that out ahead of time. Um, the only reason I know it for this Sunday is because I've already studied the passage. So, <laughs> um, so that's good. Uh, you got a double one here, Chris. How do we hear from the Lord today? All right, I found this. This is not mine. I found this on the Gospel Coalition oh, I was going to say, John Piperson. And I thought it summed it up quite well. Uh, let me just read, read a little snippet here. It says, essentially, we hear from God by reading about Jesus and listening to his words in Scripture, by praying and living in the ways he taught us, by remembering him in the Lord's Supper, and by being united with him through faith and baptism. And it says, in other words, we hear from God in exactly the same ways faithful Christians have for 2,000 years. I thought that was pretty good. That will pass. Do you hear, um, <laughs> I'm sure you're a big Lecrae fan. <laughs> I know. Did you hear his, he's got a new album, Church Close. Mm-hmm. And the last song is like Deconstruct or something. And, uh. Now, it, it, some of it's good in the sense that he's talking about how he essentially had, had walked away from the Lord and his back. Okay. But he calls out, like, Piper, Tim Keller. He called out Vadi uh, Bauckham, and I'm mm-hmm. like... Called him out for what? I, well, Vadi said something about Christian rappers, and I think it bothered Lecrae. Um. It, I guess in some sense, it's a good reminder, like... The way we talk about celebrities, you just forget. Like these are real, you know, they're real people. Like they still struggle with. I mean, I, I'm sure people we put it on, a, but I think like no one is gonna care about this. But people there, but Aaron Carter who died, Dead, yeah. which is, I mean, watching his life spiral at times, you're like, man, look at this train wreck. But then you're just, um. It's sad when you like listen to him talk. Uh, there was a little, I'm off on a different yeah. little rabbit That's trail right. here, but there was a uh, a little snippet I saw of him. It was an interview, and he's you can tell this is later in his life because he looks he looks terrible. And um, he said when he was like 11 or something, he was he was very young. And they were filming an episode of MTV Cribs. Mm-hmm. And that day, his parents told him they were getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. And they told him, you still need to you still need to go out there and record this. And, yeah. And so he, like, he, he, he started crying, talking about it. Because he said, I had to go through my house and, and show everyone all the things that were about to be taken from my life. And I was like, oh, man. Right. So, anyways... You know, doesn't mean that these people aren't sinful at times, but just humans. So, all right. Well, I'm glad we talked about celebrities. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all the people. All, I, can ima- I can imagine our church is like, who's Lecrae? <laughs> oh, Aaron Carter. Oh, people should know Aaron Carter, though. Yeah. Nick Carter. That's his brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, last question for this section here, uh, or the last main question for you, Jason. Does the Lord give new prophecies to people today? And if yes, how is that different from God's written word? I just think it was an, a good time to answer this question. We've, we've, I've answered this at times on Sundays, and we'll continue to answer it because it is always brought up. Right. 
two pre- prevailing options to that question. Um, and you'll, I mean, you'll know these terms, Chris, but there's cessationist. They believe that the, uh, I guess the more, some of the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the apostles. Things like miraculous healings, prophecies, um, speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. So they ceased. So if you believe that, you're a cessationist. Those gifts do not exist today. Non-cessationists would say, no, there's no biblical evidence that they ceased. They still exist today. Um, before I, I guess I should answer where I'm at before I read this. I grew up Southern Baptist where, you know, you just didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. That was kind of, you never were taught on it at the very least. Um, so we, we had no idea about the person of the Holy Spirit and, um, which I think is why so many people refer to the Holy Spirit as it yeah. rather than he, the, you know, part of the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, so, cause they just, they don't know. They've never been taught. Um, so I say that to say I, and probably grew up more of a cessationist where those don't, those gifts don't exist. Um, in a lot of my life church experience, I haven't seen them. Right. Um, now I think I would say I'm a non-cessationist. I don't see that there's any clear ending of that in scripture, but I'm, to be fair, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like today. Right. Um, I certainly don't like some of the charismatic movement that has, um, not that all of that's bad, but just how some of that has distorted those gifts so um let me read this is from don carson um and his point so i think people would say all right well if prophecy still exists today doesn't that mean that that is adding to scripture and we can't do that so here's what don carson would say and this john piper would say this as well or at least desiring god would um It says, when Paul presupposes in 1 Corinthians 14.30 that the gift of prophecy depends on revelation, we are not limited limited to a form of authoritative revelation that threatens the finality of the canon, or how we got the Bible, the Bible, the closed canon. To argue in such a way is to confuse the terminology of the Protestant systematic theology with the terminology that the script of scripture writers, the prophecy Paul has in mind is um, basically revelation and spirit prompted. You'll hear that spirit prompted um, a lot if you would read into that. But none of this means it is necessarily authoritative, infallible, or canon threatening. Um, so that's that's where a lot of that disagreement is. I don't think. Any people, any healthy um, scholars or people that believers would say prophecy today replaces or adds to scripture. I think they would use that terminology that, well, Paul uses prophecy in a different way than what we see 
maybe from Samuel, where if Samuel, the prophet, the prophets of the Old Testament, if he said something that wasn't true, that didn't become true, well, you're a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Where today we would say, well, you could say, you could have a, a spirit filled prompting, spirit prompting to maybe say something to someone, and that doesn't mean it's infallible. It could maybe not be true, mm-hmm. and um, you're not a false prophet. All of that's really tough. I mean, I, I still wrestle with that. Um, so if someone's like, I can't believe you believe that. I'm like, I, I, hey, I'm still wrestling with it. So uh, I just know there's really solid people on both sides of this one. Yeah. I would say this. Um, we he- base, Essentially, we hear the word and base our life off the word. So if you're a cessationist, I guess you can just stop there. If you want to go further, if you um, believe these gifts still exist today, then I would say... We hear prophecy, and it should drive us to the Word and to Christ. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, then probably shouldn't be listening to that. Right. So, still wrestling with that one. Um, I've just... Have you listened to Costi uh, Hinn, Benny Hinn's nephew? He did a whole podcast mm-hmm. about why he's a cessationist mm-hmm. and wouldn't refute what Don Carson was saying. Same. But No, I haven't. There's just great, great men and women on both sides. You're going to have to study the word and, I guess, decide for yourself on that one. Um, but I guess, if anything, you can most certainly say, regardless of where you land, you can't land on changing, adding right. to the, the canon of Scripture. So, All right. Let's end this. What Bible, since we're talking about the Bible a lot, this is our conclusion uh, what King James translation would you recommend? <laughs> the new King James version. The new. <laughs> you know you've asked this question before. Right? It's been a while. Just okay. because, you know, okay. I ask my question, my kids the same questions all the time. <laughs> it's because they don't listen. So. Well, I'll listen. Oh, okay. And I remember. All right. What do you say? What do you think? Uh, the Bible translation of that I I use the ESV, pretty much. Did you use the ESV before the church started using mm-hmm. the ESV? No. So I've converted everyone. I use the NIV. Um, I still have my old. I have the NIVs. I have yeah. a couple of the old NIVs at the house, and I was given one. I was given one when I was baptized, and I think my mom gave me the other one. The NIVs are really. I mean, it's a good translation, and the old NIV, not the. Yeah, you and Justin hate the <laughs> new NIV. Is there a name to that, or they just put a date? on it? I think it? it's just got a date on it. It's that the it's not the new new, <laughs> the new new international version. Um, and I, yeah, I'll certainly go on the record. I've said it a lot. Like the King James is a excellent translation. Mm-hmm. So if if someone can read it and understand the old English. Go for it, you know. You're reading the Bible, that's more than most people. Yeah. So that's great. Um Yeah, I, I have have been reading the ESV just because it's um I think it strikes a good balance right now. It's not perfect. Uh we use the NASB in our last church, um on Sundays. And that I would say that's more accurate. Maybe that's a poor word. It's a more literal translation. 
Um, I used the New Living Translation with students, hmm. which was sometimes really tough to teach out of in an expository way. But I would say, like, if you're not that great of a reader and you've never read through the Bible ever, um, pick up the NLT and just plow through. And then if you're like, well, that was easy, well, then graduate to something a little bit more literal after that. I would say go NLT to NIV to ESV to NASB if you want to shake it up a little. So Or King James. The NASB or King James. There it is. Um, man. Are we done? I believe that's it. Man. That's a record timing. No. It says it's 20, 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. No, I'm joking. It's 45. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes of us talking ahead of time. All right, we're done. You want to pray? I can. All right. Uh, dear God, we just want to... Uh, thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you uh, for your word. Um, thank you for allowing us uh, to have the opportunity to share it with others um, so that you may continue the work. There's nothing that we're going to do. It's it's all through you and your son, Jesus. And uh, just uh, continue to watch over East River and help us to uh, to continue to do, your, to do your will. And we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. We're done.